You are listening to Pokemon Rose, a nostalgic look back at the Pokemon series, with your host, Dan Hughes. Ah, we're back. Yes, we took a little bit of a break, but we're back with a very exciting topic, and that is revisiting the Kanto region. We're still talking about gold and silver, and one of the most important experiences in my gaming career. I imagine it's true for a lot of you as well. Because I want to take you back to a time when you were a kid, okay? And you were playing games, and you didn't know the tropes of video games yet. You didn't know about New Game Plus. You didn't know about post-game content. You didn't know about any of these things that nowadays you would almost come to expect from an RPG. Well, when I was a kid, and I played through Gold and Silver, and I was ready to beat the Elite Four, I didn't realize that all of my Pokemon were like level 35 or 40, and that all of the Pokemon in the Elite Four were also level 35 or 40. It didn't click with me that it wouldn't make sense that the end bosses, basically, were really under-leveled for an endgame fight. It didn't click with me that I hadn't technically seen even half of the Pokedex yet. It didn't click with me that there were threads that were being set up in the base game that were going to be paid off, like, why is Professor Oak here? What is he doing? Or, you know, why does it seem like all of the gym leaders, even though some of them, Whitney, were incredibly tough, didn't really feel like the end of the game? <laughs> well, it's because the game wasn't over yet. There was, in fact, another whole half of the game that you were about to play. This was magical, because you didn't even imagine it. I think the other part of this that I have to really emphasize here is that nowadays we come to understand that there's going to be post-game content in a Pokemon game, but it wasn't really expected or known to the extent that we know now. Remember, Gold and Silver was only the second entry into the series. The only post-game that we had had prior to this was the Mewtwo stuff. And that was, you know, very exciting and very cool and a really nice button on the story, but it was like, you know, a little extra that you did at the end of the game. Gold and Silver comes along and says, no, 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 there's a whole other half of the story that we have to tell here. It was really cool, and it was before the internet was really widespread, so, I mean, you didn't know this, right? It was another myth, another crazy thing that your friend may have told you on the playground, something that you didn't really know was true until you did it yourself. And so when I finally beat the Elite Four, and I see the credits, and I go back home to, to my house, and I'm told, hey, <laughs> there's a whole other region here that you get to explore, and it's called the Kanto region. It's the region from the first game. My mind completely melted. Pokemon Gold and Silver does this amazing thing where you get to go back and see what happened to the world of the first game after the game finished. It was really deliberate in how it did this because it kind of worked in real time. Three years canonically have passed since the events of Pokemon Red and Blue. And what I really love 
about going back to the Kanto region in this uh, in this game is that the red and blue story is so different from current Pokemon games in a lot of ways, but primarily and importantly, it's different in the sense that there wasn't a world-ending threat that was happening. Mewtwo was powerful, but it wasn't the case that, you know, there was a big endgame boss like there is in, honestly, even uh, starting in Ruby and Sapphire. There isn't this kind of, like, big event that is uh, making the whole gym badge quest and the Elite Four sidelined. So it was just getting the badges and going to the Pokemon League. And what's so cool about that is that when you go back and you fight the gym leaders in Kanto, you get to see how things have changed in this world. It's not like everybody was affected by a big event. They're just kind of living their lives. You know, it's been three years, and uh, Red, the trainer from the first game, was obviously an important guy. He's the champion, but it's not really like, you know, he's completely mythologized like a hero from another Pokemon game might be. And so what you get to see is the progression of the Pokemon world. Things look different. There's construction all over the place. The gym leaders are tougher. They recognize that you're from a different region and that you've come to take on their challenge. So their Pokemon are much higher leveled. It's, it's harder. You get to see somebody like Brock, who was only ever a kind of a pushover in the first game, be kind of difficult because he gets to use his actual Pokemon. He gets to go all out. He's not fighting a first, uh, first gym badge uh, trainer anymore. He's fighting somebody who's a champion in the Johto League and who has come over to kind of test their medal in the Kanto League. It's really cool to see this. Misty has grown up a little bit. She's on her own adventures. Uh, Koga has retired, and he's given his daughter the gym. So this is really important because it sets up that things progress in the Pokemon world. They don't stagnate when the game is over. And this is really cool because as the game, as the games expanded and as the world expanded, you always had gold version in the back of your mind when you were thinking about what progressed in Kanto and how things changed. In fact, they changed so much that when you finally find Blue, the rival from the previous game, he has completely turned over a new leaf. You can tell that he was truly affected by his loss as the Pokemon League champion. He's now the new Viridian City gym leader, having taken over for Giovanni after he disappeared with Team Rocket. And he takes his work very seriously, and he sees potential in people. And he's kind of wistful about his rivalry with Red from the first game, with you from the first game. It's a very special feeling to see that this person who was so antagonistic towards you in the first game is still antagonistic, let's be honest, he's blue, but in a kind of older brother mentor way, and not so much a uh, just obstacle kind of bully. And it's really nice to see that his character has progressed from the end of the, the Pokemon League when Professor Oak tells him, 
this is what you did wrong. This is why Red was able to beat you. Blue took those words to heart, and he's at least working on himself at the Pokemon Gym in Viridian City. It's a very cool thing that Pokemon Gold and Silver did by taking you back to Kanto and seeing how things changed. And this leads to probably the coolest moment, at least in my memory, of any Pokemon game I've ever played. When you've beaten the eight gym leaders, you're told that you're not going to go and fight against the Pokemon League because technically, Kanto and Johto share their Pokemon League, right? You're not going to go and fight the, the Elite Four of Kanto again. What you're going to do instead is you are given access to this mountain area called Mount Silver. And you're told that Mount Silver has the most powerful Pokemon in either region there. And when you go and travel there, it's true. There's up to level 70, level 80 Pokemon, the highest wild Pokemon that you've ever seen. When you finally go in to Mount Silver itself and you traverse this incredibly dangerous place, you get to the top and who do you see but Red? That's right, you from the first game. This trainer who went through the trials of Pokemon Blue and, Blue and Red is just standing there and he's ready to fight you. I've written about this on the website, but there is nothing more profound in my memory than walking, at, walking to the top of Mount Silver, seeing what I understood to be myself from the first game and facing off against him. What the gym leaders in Kanto and the changes that you see in that region all culminate in is this final difficult fight with the protagonist from the first game. And as cool as it is, as wonderful as the music is, as tough as it is, the really important thing that this did is that it showed that progression is just as important a part of the Pokemon series as achieving one's dreams. Red's story was over in Pokemon Red and Blue. Your story was over. But then this magical thing happened and a sequel came out. Well, how do you adjudicate what happened to that avatar, Red, that character that you played in the first game, who wanted to be the very best, who wanted to be the strongest, to catch them all? Well, you see him along on his journey, right? It's been three years. You're playing as a new person now. And when you find him, you realize that he's really been working hard at the dream that you and he shared going into Pokemon Red and Blue. And I'll tell you what, it's a tough fight. It's still tough. I think that people are still surprised at how tough that red fight can be. Because it's not just fighting a trainer. It's confronting yourself and thinking about everything that you put into that first game. And nowadays, I think when people have occasion to play Heart Gold or Soul, Soul, Soul Silver, they go into that fight and it means even more. Because red doesn't just represent red and blue. He represents nostalgia for the Pokemon series. He was the first guy. I mean, it's almost as if you walk into a place in a Pokemon game and there's Ash from the show 
and you get to fight him, right? Obviously, there's a whole episode I could do about the difference between Ash and Red or Satoshi and Red, but that's kind of what Red has become, this mythic symbol of a bygone age of Pokemon without being relegated to myth because you understand from that fight with him that he's still a real guy. <laughs> he's still trying to be the very best and he'll never stop giving up. Even after you beat him, you get this sense that he's kind of excited. <laughs> he's kind of excited he lost because guess what? That means he hasn't reached the top yet. His dream is still out there. We're nearing our end of my gold and silver discussion, but I want to really emphasize how absolutely cool going back to the Kanto region is. It means a lot to me, hopefully as you can tell, but it also meant a lot for the games. What can you do in a Pokemon game? You might go back to another region. You might go to a different time. You might see how things have changed after you left them in the last entry. That's all for today, but I want you to think about what was your favorite moment in Pokemon as a kid? Because I'll tell you what, these past few episodes have all been building up to me telling you my favorite moment, which was seeing Red on top of Mount Silver. <laughs>